0: You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Where go Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle,
1: your source of Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We just had Auburn SEC media days. We had Brian Harson, Derek Hall, Hank Bigsby, and John Samuel Schenker. Lots of great guys, lots of leaders that you've heard their names plenty of times. I love listening to all of them. I feel like they all kind of gave their own little insights into what's been going on over the last, you know, few weeks, uh months of this off season. Uh Jared, what's kind of your overall impressions of the SEC Media Day in 2022 and kind of how they went?
2: Um, you know, I think it was pretty standard. Obviously there was initial questions with, you know, to Harson about the off season. And they they kind of led with every player that went up there with that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they handled it well. You know, Arson, um, I didn't see this piece, but I think Arson, you know, day one, he kind of led with, you know, that situation. And then basically said, all right, we've moved on from it. So, um, you know, all in all, that was the only out of ordinary piece, I guess. And, yeah, so, uh, you know, it just kind of, to me, kicks off the fact that what you know we're we're close to august, and that's that's the last month without football and and we'll you know we'll have nFL preseason in August, so we're, it,
1: mm-hmm. it's
2: about to happen, man. I'm getting excited about it,
1: yeah, I feel like this summer has been some things like you know the the league that happened up in Birmingham for football um I feel like there's been taste of football, but honestly, I don't really care too much about that. I I really just care mostly about SEC football and Auburn specifically. So to get SEC media days in, that that was awesome. There was so much good stuff. I feel like we had kind of gone through you know the the drought of what to talk about, what's going on. To now we have lots of stuff. We have some really interesting stuff. Like who knew the Kentucky quarterback likes to have coffee with mayo like who the heck like weird <laughs> things like that you learn and you're
2: like what I, I think I just threw up in my mouth <laughs> that, that's terrible i didn't even hear that
1: yeah some weird stuff like that you learn um uh, there was also some obviously football talk that happened um but lots of good stuff if you ever want to go uh watch some of that some of that's on youtube um but we're going to do a try to do a good job of you know summarizing what happened specifically in relation to Auburn. uh what happened you know the questions asked to Brian Harson Tank Derek Hall and Schenker. so let's start off with Harson let's talk about what questions he was asked obviously you know the investigation going on he handled that pretty well uh the one of the other things that I I thought was kind of interesting and I think you noted this too was around the kind of the negative attitudes of the players that, you know, because of the tr- transition from, you know, a uh, Gus Malzahn led team to now Brian Harson of last season. I think a lot of those guys ended up leaving. And that's why we saw this big mass exodus and, and Harson kind of hinted at that. Was that kind of your impression of like those, those negative attitudes, negative people ended up leaving so that, now this this team is bonded and a, has a positive vibe around it
2: yeah no doubt i mean he i was kind of surprised he went there but i i'm not mad he did i mean he basically said they essentially said there was uh some negative players on the team last year and they're no longer on the team so you can you know we can got either he's talking about people that graduated went to the nfl or transferred and you got to assume transfer so you can kind of do your research and figure out who he's talking about. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, if, if people are being negative and, you know, he did mention, you know, not like occasionally, I think he basically said, you know, something that's, you know, it's always something and it's always someone else's fault. Um, he's like, we got to get, you know, we don't have that anymore. Everybody's on the same page and that's a good thing because you got to have that. Um, so yeah, he, he did hint at that. And, um, uh, I thought that was a pretty, pretty big statement.
1: Yeah. Another couple of things that he started to discuss was around the defensive side of things with Schmetting. Um, And it sounds like there there's a hundred percent trust between Schmetting and Harson. you know, Schmetting's doing his thing on defense. And I think that also kind of, you know, brought up a little bit about, you know, to me, you know, what happened with Derek Mason because, you know, Derek Mason ended up leaving and going to OK state for less money. And, you know, that that seemed kind of weird. I mean, and now kind of, you know, looking back at it, maybe that was just, you know, kind of the way it was going to be even maybe from the beginning. You know, it's a one year deal with Mason and then we're going to move on. But I don't know any thoughts on kind of the defensive side of things that that Harson was talking about.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he said, uh correct me if I'm wrong. He basically said with Schmetting, he, he doesn't even worry about the defense. Like he, yeah. he trusts that, you know, Schmetting knows what's going on and he's going to have everybody in the right position. Um And I think that's really the deal with all the, the coaches that have, you know, been moved up to different roles, Um, whether it works or not, I don't know, but there's that trust factor there. Um And, you know, it it's not, I know we all talk, Oh, well, you know, we brought, he brought all his coaches. Well, you know, if you were going to start a company and and you had been successful at your other company, you would probably try to bring in some of those people, right? Right. So if you think about it from that perspective, it's not super weird. Um, but yeah, you can definitely tell he has a major trust in Schmetting. Um, one thing I thought was pretty cool is you know because uh, we, we're 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 digging in deeper to who Brian Harson is every time we hear him talk because we don't know a lot about him. And you know he kind of had a chance to probably knock Mason a little bit or not even mention him or praise him, and he actually praised him, and I thought that was pretty good, so he you know he had a he he could have easily just ignored it um and he kind of got you know teed up to to say at least a negative thing, and he didn't he said that you know Mason's a great coach, um, and that you know not a lot's gonna change honestly,
1: yeah, no, I really was shocked about that because you know he could have easily started bashing Mason or, you know, running a lot of zone and that not working out well, or whatever, you know, whatever his, you know, gripe with Mason was. But he didn't. He he ended up, you know, saying he did a great job. You know, he, he managed the defensive side well. Like, th- there were certain things that I, I feel like, yeah, you know, it's it, it could have gone sideways pretty quickly. And he chose to take the high ground, which uh, I think says, you know, again, something about Harson that, you know, I know it's just a press conference, but, you know, if he's saying that in front of us, you know, hopefully there's no hard feelings against Mason uh, for, you know, moving on.
2: Well, and one other thing, too, real quick, because I, I, I know we've talked about this, you know, at at length, but there was a lot being said about Brian Harson from the media, supposedly being leaked from the coaches, and without a doubt from the players that left. A lot of stuff that would be hard for me not to fire back at and he never did. So you know he has stuff on those people too, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe not super bad, but he could have come back and said, no, here's really the reason you're not on the team anymore. And he didn't. You know, um, it, it appears he took the high road there um, throughout the process. He he kind of took all the negative towards him. And unless you can think of a situation, um, you know, he, he knocked the boosters about that whole thing, and that that's understandable. But from, like, going after people that have kind of attacked him, coach and player-wise, um, he didn't do it.
1: Right. And now I I can't think of any you know moment where he started, you know, bashing a player. I think he just mentioned kind of general, like, Hey, you know, negative players left, you know, we're moving forward, that kind of thing. And I think that's the mentality you have to have. If you start focusing on the things in the past, that's not going to help you. I mean, you know, think about the things in the past, figure out what you're going to change, move forward. And that's what he, he's been doing. Um, one of the, the, well, a couple of the positions that he he pointed out, which I thought were kind of, you know, telling of where our team's at, that he said we're going to, uh, that he just pointed out were tight end and defensive back. I think, you know, we, I felt like we knew tight ends were going to be good. Just, you know, tons of leadership with Shinker and the other guys that have been on the team for a long time. But I was a little shocked about defensive back, just because last year defensive back wasn't necessarily our strength. It became better and better, don't get me wrong, but that wasn't our strength on defense. And I thought that was kind of telling that we're getting better in kind of the secondary. And we already know with Owen Papo at linebacker, we don't don't have to worry too much about the linebacker core. So I'll be interested to see what that kind of looks like with the defensive backs and cornerbacks.
2: He, You know, he went out of his way I think twice um during you know the all the off season here to praise the the true freshman um Wooden, it's his brother um who's the he's a safety uh, I
1: think. K- uh, caleb Wooden yeah Caleb, so, yeah
2: yeah he went out of his way tw- and and harson you know i gave him a little pat on the back a few moments ago, but he doesn't do he doesn't do a lot of praising his players in public and for him to do at that, least
1: at least like individually yeah,
2: yeah not mm-hmm. and, yeah. and he probably does it as a coach, but publicly i mean he's he doesn't you know if he says it. He means it. I guess is a better way I should say. that. Yeah. So for him to do that, that's pretty big. And you know, you, you know, we got we got to keep in mind. I mean, we landed the um, the the best cornerback from JUCO and the best safety from JUCO.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and we'll get into it probably. But you know, Derek Hall said you know some other guys that were injured last year have gotten better, have gotten healthy. Jalen Simpson, I think Zion Puckett. So you know, there's a chance there. Um, there's going to be some, uh, you know, some leadership there. Some of these guys have a chance to grow up because, you know, we, we lost uh, – who's the – oh, my goodness. Who's the, D, who's the secondary guy we lost last year to the NFL? Roger McCreary. Uh,
1: yeah, Roger McCreary, Yeah.
2: Yeah, so he's moved on. So that's going to give a shot for, like, Jalen Simpson, those guys to show up and be leaders. So it will be interesting to see how they develop.
1: Yeah, most definitely. A couple other things just uh, to round out our discussion with – harson he he kind of went into depth which i thought was pretty insightful about the quarterback battle and what he's looking for with the quarterback battle obviously no quarterback has been decided at this point at least we're not made aware of that but he he went through kind of his criteria for quarterback and you know I, i maybe had heard certain things over time but it was kind of a cumulative list of what are the top criteria for quarterbacks And I think this goes for really any level of quarterback first. And he, he spent a ton of time on this was toughness, mental and physical. And you think back to, you know, our previous quarterback with Bo Nix, I think Bo Nix was a fantastic, tough quarterback. I mean, for goodness sakes, like he was out there on a broken ankle playing hard. And I think that, that, you know, that toughness is a good characteristic for a quarterback because you, you're going to take some looks. You're going to, get injured you're going to not be hundred percent all the time and that's that's kind of the, the place that a quarterback has to be at I think the other aspect is the mental aspect that you know maybe at times Nix, we saw him kind of crack a little bit where you know Seth Williams uh, and him were kind of getting at it on the sidelines that's a mental breakdown that I think you know Harson you know probably looked at and said hey we need to fix this you need to be more mentally you know tough. And one of the cool things that kind of came out of this was uh, Jimbo Fisher at Texas a was asked about, you know, even Calzada and one of the tough, you know, he talked about the toughness of Calzada and how, you know, even he, he talked about how amazing that game against Auburn was for him because Calzada, you know, had his shoulder pop out. He popped it back in, came back, played great despite being injured and that's the kind of toughness that i'm really excited about potentially with Calzada. um and, and you could even argue TJ Finley last year i mean coming in in a you know in a place like Georgia State where we were about to lose to Georgia State and, and even towards the end of the year like TJ Finley wasn't 100% he was kind of running around hobbling a little bit that's toughness and that's that's the kind of piece that i i definitely have started to appreciate more and more with the quarterback position. So Jared, any other thoughts about kind of the quarterback battle and what Harson said about that?
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, not, I guess a little bit. I mean, I, I, I agree. He went into detail and you know, he this I don't think it's any surprise. That's his, uh, that, that's his favorite uh, position on the field. Mm-hmm. I think he likes to coach quarterbacks and um, you know, he mentioned Kellen Moore at uh Boise. He told a funny story for those of y'all that didn't see it. He, uh, he he had came up with this list, and uh, uh, A.J., did he call it uh, Preparation? Is that what it was? Do you yeah, remember? Preparation. Preparation, yep. and he puts it up on the board, and Kellen Moore, he's expecting this rah-rah moment, Kellen Moore just looks confused and kind of chuckles, and uh, Harson looks back up and realizes that whoever made the sign had misspelled Preparation. <laughs> <laughs> so he told that story. That was pretty funny. But, yeah, I think toughness, he hit on that a lot. And what I thought was interesting, A.J., is I would have thought leadership, you know, number one, well, he goes yeah. through all of them and you're like, is he going to mention leadership? And he said, he said, if you do one, two, and three leadership, you, you basically are allowed to to have the leadership at that point. Yeah. So if you're tough, you prepare, your decision-making good, you can then be a leader. Right. And, and so he put leadership as four.
1: Right. Well, and, and I think that people think the leader is you You come in, you're the rah-rah person. And I'm I know there's a piece of that. That is always a part of it. But you don't get the respect, I think, from others unless you put in the other yeah. things like toughness, preparation, decision-making. If you don't do those right, you won't be a, a leader. And you won't be viewed as a leader, yeah. even if you think of yourself as
2: a leader. Yeah, there's talking and then there's leading. And and yet, yeah, for them to buy in, for people around you, they have to see you're tough. I'll be honest, I think uh, I actually forgot the moment in the Auburn game. I was recalling, I think he got hurt in the Alabama game and came back in and literally through a beautiful, yeah. uh, you know, a go route that scored a touchdown that put him ahead. Uh, that may have finished the game off. So Calzada is definitely tough. TJ's tough played with the injured foot. I don't think we're going to have a problem in that department at all. He did also mention again, for those that didn't see it, he talked to someone who uh, either trains or is connected with Russell Wilson. And he said that Russell's list is essentially the same, you know, for what he wants of himself. So you know it's not unique um but it's good that one of the better quarterbacks in the league also you know follows the same pattern
1: yeah absolutely and those are just you know good characteristics to have for a you know quarterback but if you're going to be a leader out in life i think those are also very important as well and i think that was another thing that i thought was kind of interesting he kind of approached it and i feel like harson has approached coaching at auburn you know, more, you know, looking forward to the NFL or, you know, for a lot of these guys, they won't even go to the NFL. So it's the, you know, he talked about professional development and what that looks like, you know, even day to day is he wants it to be a professional development every day of what are you going to do better today that you didn't do yesterday and talking and when you say, when I hear professional development, I think business terms and that's something that that's a little different that I hadn't really heard too much of from like a football standpoint. And I think that's a good point for a lot of these players is, you know what? Football is going to teach me a lot. I mean, I played high school football, high school football taught me a lot. And I'm sure these guys are learning a lot about themselves and how to, you know, to succeed. And when they don't succeed, how do they get better from that? And those are the, the life, you know, professional development moments that I think Harson was talking about. So, just thought that was kind of cool that he he brought that up. Um one other comment about uh Harson that I wanted to talk about is uh he had mentioned potentially playing multiple quarterbacks. And I I was thinking about that that could be really interesting to see somebody like a you know TJ Finley or Calzada and then kind of a change of pace Robbie Asford. You know, we saw him during the 8-day game go nuts. And th- that's even with him not having or having you know the contact non-contact jersey on where he couldn't get hit. And I'm thinking that would be awesome, you know, to you know maybe in some red zone situation something you know a little bit different for rap Robbie Ashford to come in there, you know, make something happen. I feel like that could be a really cool uh, little piece for for Auburn.
0: Hey Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2C slash support, whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it timeouts over. Let's get back into the episode.
1: All right. Let's talk about, uh, the other guys, uh, kind of collectively what what did you think of the guys that that also talked that Auburn ended up bringing so Derek Hall, Tank Bigsby and John Samuel Shinker what were kind of your overall impressions of of how they approached the the media and uh what they ended up talking about
2: Yeah, I mean they uh they're all, they're different players. Uh Tank uh Tank is, you know, definitely more direct with his answers, um not as talkative, which is not a problem whatsoever. Uh, he didn't add a ton. I think he, you know, did kind of hint to the fact of, um, you know, he's gotten better, obviously. And uh, I think somebody asked about, maybe somebody saying he's he's one of the more improved players, which is pretty impressive because he rushed for 1,000 yards yeah. last year. Um, so, yeah, that was, he addressed that. Um, you know, he was asked the question about, you know, how likely was it that he was going to leave Auburn because there were rumors. Uh, he very uh, politely Essentially, dodged that question and, and said that you know he loves Auburn, um, and he's he's ready to to go with the boys and made no hint that he has any problem with Auburn, um. So I I think he's all bought in. I thought that interview was you know pretty good, uh, to the point. Derek is a little more talkative, um, you know, and he he went into a little more detail. Um, he said that he really likes the defense. You know, he's not he's not concerned at all. He's been impressed, I think, with the secondary and the linebacking group. He talked about how him and, you know, Echo, Leota are essentially like brothers. Mm-hmm. And talked about Dylan Brooks. You know, people ask, well, where's he at? Well, he said he's really come along. His body's in good shape. Um, yeah, he I-
1: was uh, – I think Dylan was the first one out of his mouth who's, you know, going to make an impact this year besides you and Echo. Yep. And it was Dylan Brooks. So, Dylan Brooks. I think that's pretty cool for – a a guy who didn't play at all last year as a freshman, now is a redshirt freshman. I think that that says a lot about we're, we're probably going to hear Dylan Brooks' name, you know, over the loudspeakers a few times.
2: Yeah. And, you know, for people that don't remember, Dylan was a four, maybe five star by some people. He was the guy that I think was initially committed to Tennessee, and we had to wait a while to get them to release him, and they did. So, um, you know, he chose Auburn. I, you know, the one interesting thing about Derek Hall. He after the Alabama game told his mom he was gonna to go to the NFL. And then he's like he essentially said I just, you know, kept hanging around Auburn and just realized how much I love the place mm-hmm. and I want to get my degree and you know, I can go do other things the rest of my life. This will be my last time being able to be at Auburn. Yeah. And so he decided to stay and come back. They all talked about how the environment is just amazing there. Hall used the word, it gives him chills when he walks out. Um you know yeah. So.
1: Well, and, and what was kind of cool, you know, specifically Jordan hair was brought up multiple times and not just by Auburn players. It was, you know, Georgia players, you know, bring it up how amazing the environment was others as well. And I think that says a lot, I mean, Auburn Jordan hair, I think does get a good amount of respect, but you know, Others look at you know the hundred thousand plus stadiums of Alabama and Texas A&M, and they're thinking that's awesome. But you know, oh Auburn with only eighty-seven thousand, not so great. But if you you ask players, there is a specific you know almost just like a respect that a lot of these players have for coming into Jordan here. And and there were Auburn players were talking about we need to do a better job because we have that awesome environment of winning in that environment and winning at home. And I think there's a, a definite need for that. Um there there were times, obviously, I'm thinking back to the Iron Bowl, where we could have won. We should have won. And that was a key piece of our environment that was just electric. And yet we weren't able to capitalize off that. And that's that's unfortunate. I, I hope the players, you know, take that to heart and use that home field advantage even more this next coming year. Because if so, you know, we start out five games at home. We can be 5-0 and o if they take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I've had, for many years, I've had Georgia friends tell me that, you know, that's the loudest environment they've ever been in. Um, you know, and, and like you said, there's bigger stadiums. Um, you know, I've been to Tennessee and I've been to Florida. And I'll tell you, the game I went to, Florida was the loudest I've ever been in. But Auburn... Uh, is probably second, you know, from what mm. I from the games I've been to. So, um, it's fantastic, and yeah, we got to use it. You're right, five five home games, and they're five winnable games. I know people are loving on Penn State. People love on Penn State every year because they like Franklin. Um, <laughs> you know, but listen, but we won- but you
1: look at but you look at what happened with Penn State last year. Yeah,
2: they didn't finish well. Yeah, there that's a winnable game. Um, I, I'm not trying to say we're going to win a national title, but um, you got Mercer, San Jose State, I don't remember the other one. Penn State and LSU. LSU is not in any better personnel position than we are. They have a brand yeah. new coach. It's at yeah. home. Um essentially they probably are a worse team last than last year's team from a leadership because they lost they always lose players in the NFL. So, um, yeah. But uh the final guy real quick, uh, and then I'll let you give me your take on what you thought about the guys. Uh John Samuel Shanker, he was a little more talkative,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. um you know, but he talked about everybody's come together. He was one of the vocal guys when the whole thing went down with Harson, him, and Derek Hall. He said that you know people have come together it gave him a chance to be a leader. I didn't hear him say why he decided to come back, maybe he did um you know, he said that uh strength and development, what they got going on there, he's like the players are really you can see the 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 growth in a lot of the players. Especially even going into year two and just talks about how Keysow and Harson are on the same page and that wasn't always the case previously. Um so, I thought that was telling. Yeah. I yeah. I mean he I, what did, I mean he, you, you like, say what he said. What did he say, AJ? You go he straight jump.
1: up he called out Bobo. Yeah. And 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 I think that's yeah, you know, pretty bold of him to call out his previous you know, offensive coordinator. But I mean, the way he worded it was Bobo's an alpha, you know, he's a head coach previously. I think there is something to be said for, you know, that, but you also look at the flip side of it, you know, guys like Derek Mason last year, he was a head coach at Vandy. Like he, he had to, you almost have to put your head coach hat off and say, I've got my offense. I want to you know, help out the team as a whole, but ultimately I still, you know, my, my manager per se is the head coach. His, his say is kind of final. And, and I think that that's kind of interesting because, you know, There's kind of rumors going around that John Samuel or that other offensive players were noting that practices had to stop because, you know, Bobo and Harson weren't on the same page about things. And I I don't think we're going to have a problem with that, (laughs) based on what John Samuel Schenker and the others were kind of saying about the offense. And I think that says a lot because how many times, Jared, last year after games, we'd be like, it just felt like we weren't on the same page on offense. Well, guess what? We weren't. We weren't. Offense, you know, the offensive coordinator and head coach were not on the same page about what we're trying to do. All right. No wonder.
2: Okay, so knowing that they were not on the same page, Harson did the right thing, and maybe it was his call. I still want somebody to tell me that Penn State play on fourth down, was it meant to be a fade route? Because that's a terrible call. Harson yeah. came out and was like, yeah, I, I approved it or whatever. I don't know, man. Knowing what I know now, yeah, because uh, there was so many times that if you just hand the ball to Tank, you probably yep. win the ball game.
1: Yeah, and, and, uh, and, a third and one or yeah. third and two, fourth and one, and, something and like that.
2: throwing fade routes to a guy. No offense to Kobe Hudson, but he's not the tallest dude. Like you're, you know, why are you throwing a? Yeah. like if you're gonna throw a fade route, throw it to somebody a little taller. But yeah, um, that was that was very telling. I mean, he he, I think almost verbatim said. Bobo was an alpha because he was a head coach that created communication issues on the practice field. Yeah. Um, he also said something about another coach. <laughs> wow. I mean,
1: Schenker was like dropping some little bombs yeah. here and I was like, wow, well, and this is, this is probably the best interview I've heard all day. <laughs>
2: let's go ahead and preface this. We love the guy he said something about. Yeah. And these are not our words. But go ahead, AJ. What was the other thing you said?
1: Yeah, so he was asked about, you know, what's the difference between, you know, the coaching staffs of Malzahn and now Harson, and, and he talked about Malzahn kind of, you know, in a good way. He's like, hey, he's a player's coach. And then, you know, Harson's more of a X and O's. I want to get things done on the football field. And he also mentioned about Malzahn. This was kind of a little bit of interesting, maybe a little bit of insight into maybe where it went wrong for Malzon kind of on the football team was, you know, he was called a player's coach, but almost to like a little bit of a detriment to him. And I was thinking, interesting. Like everybody usually praises like, Oh, you're a player's coach. And, and you know, arguably I don't, there's very few games where I was like under Gus Malzahn that, you know, the players stopped playing for him, if any. And I think there's something to be said for that. But, you know, if you want to win championships, and you want to go all the way? A you know, player's coach isn't, you know, the best best thing for them. I don't know.
2: It it we're not smart enough. No offense, <clears throat> I'm not smart enough. I'll say it that way. From an X's and O's <laughs> college football level to know what's the best plan or what I would even do, I did find it interesting that he basically he did say Malzahn was a player's coach and sometimes to a fault. And um, you know, but people have bashed Carson for not being enough of that, right? Like. You know, not being open enough with his players, and I, I think there's a good middle ground. Um, I do think not Malzahn. I think from NFL down to college, if you are really only a players' coach, um, you have to have that ability to have the tough conversations because mm-hmm. it is not always going right. Right, um, and coach and players do not know best the majority of the time. Okay, because they haven't been around to see enough. It's nothing about the players; the coaches mm-hmm. have just seen. 20 years more of what they're seeing, right?
1: And that's that's why you pay the coaches yes. so much because they they have that bigger vision. They've seen more stuff than a 18 to 22-year-old.
2: Right, and I think we all forget this too. Coaches want to win. So yeah. we're always talking about, why are they doing this and that? Well, you know, I don't know with these big bios. Maybe they don't want to win, but um, <laughs> coaches want to win, right? So they know a lot. They've seen a lot. Um, and Malzahn's method worked pretty good. I mean, we gotta, we can't forget how well he did at Auburn. So, but I thought that was an interesting comment.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I was taking a little bit of back, but you know, and and I think Schenker has the respect for Malzahn. It was just, he's seeing the difference and you know, he did stick around for another year. He's buying into Harson's, you know, mentality of how a team should work. And, you know, to Harson's credit, he has had lots of success and in the way that he's done it at Boise, and now he's bringing that to Auburn. Um, I mean that that's honestly a pretty smart move if you have a successful system. All right, a couple other things just to kind of wrap things up. Um, a look around the SEC, there were lots of kind of interesting, you know, storylines that came up. Uh, We've mentioned a couple, you know, <laughs> Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky, putting mayo in his coffee. Like that still grosses me out. What the heck? Um, Georgia, um, was asked on or Kirby Smart from Georgia was asked about NIL, and uh, you know, he was saying I don't think f- football players should be paid more than ten thousand dollars a month, which would you know work out to what one hundred twenty thousand dollars if you paid get paid that every month. And then literally two days later, Kirby signs an extension, uh, or a contract that now pays him nine hundred thousand a month. 900,000, <laughs> 90 times more than what he was saying his players should be paid. So I just think that's a little ironic. Um, And, you know, I know players, you know, if there's a place for a coach and there's a place for the players to get paid. But I just think that's kind of funny. Literally 90 times more than what his players, you know, what he thinks players should get paid. Anyways.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah. I I could do a whole separate podcast on that.
1: <laughs> yeah so anyway um also in the last week uh tennessee uh you know we we knew about you know jeremy pruitt you know giving money out uh but officially there was you know ncaa violations uh, i think 16 or 18 somewhere around there violations that were uh documented and are they're going to get charged with so bad things happening at Kentucky, or tennessee so you know I wouldn't want to be a Tennessee fan in the last what 20 years or yeah, probably 20 years. <laughs> it's been a long time since the Peyton Manning's of the world.
2: It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while.
1: Um yeah, I mean specifically with that, I mean I was just thinking back to, you know, him handing out money, you literally in McDonald's, you know, sacks to players. And and I'm thinking he's a head coach, like he he's got to have done that before, right? Like, am I going crazy? <laughs> like, I feel like you wouldn't do that. Whoa, now, if you hadn't like practiced that,
2: I know where you're going with this. <laughs> so you're, so I'm, you're saying, I'm leading
1: down a path.
2: Are you saying that he probably was doing things he was taught?
1: I, I, I would, I would guess so.
2: Okay, well, that's yeah. I mean, sure. Most of the times when you go places and you're doing something, you you typically were taught that. Um. Yeah, and so he's coached at a couple of places. He's coached under a couple of SEC current coaches.
1: Yeah, that one of them is considered the greatest coach of all time. So I'll let you figure out who I'm alluding to. Yeah. You can also go look at his Wikipedia and look at where he's coached before and figure it out. But I'll leave that up Wait a minute.
2: Did he coach under three? Did he coach at Georgia as well? Was he under Kirby at one year?
1: I'm going to look it up right now. I'm not sure.
2: He was under Jimbo FSU, I do believe. Yeah. He went to Georgia. Maybe he was still Mark Rick at that time. And then he went to Bama. Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, you don't I mean, look. Yeah. It it's it, and I think everybody has done things in the past. Um I don't have a you know, essentially though a lot of fan bases don't think that happens where for their at their respective universities. Uh yeah.
1: Well you did yeah. You're right. So Georgia fourteen to twenty fifteen. So Baldmore Okay. Yeah. So it's possible and then even back you know defensive back coach at Bama 2010 to 2012 again still dating back to you know the the days under Saban. So uh, you can make some assumptions there. Yeah, you know, I'll I let you mean, make those. Look,
2: we can only take people at the word. Saban came out and knocked Te- Texas A&M and said that Alabama has never paid to get a player to sign with them. So
1: yeah. Yeah, and then you I can mean, then you can look at other coaches that were like, "I'm not leaving," and literally the next day they sign you know a ridiculous contract to go somewhere else, and you're like, "Whatever." Like, <laughs>
2: yeah, man, we could do a whole <laughs> another podcast on this.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, um fun one fun. other, one other funny thing, uh, Vanderbilt, the <laughs> Clark Lee, their head coach, uh, he said, and I quote, "Given time." Vanderbilt football will be the best in the country
2: <laughs> I can't uh, even take that seriously uh, uh, look, <laughs> I, I like the guy's enthusiasm <sighs> and here's the deal in the new NIL era there's a lot of Vanderbilt grads with a lot of money so that's true
1: <laughs> there are lots of doctors and lawyers maybe, and smart people out there but
2: maybe he's woo. literally banking on that coming through for them uh, uh, that made be Cool town. If they didn't have the academic restrictions, he could be right. They probably got yeah. a lot of rich alumni. It's a really cool town, um, but yeah, unfortunately, um, I'm not probably graduating from Vanderbilt because I'm, yeah. I'm not smart. You got to be smart. Yeah, definitely.
1: All right, Jared. Uh, before we get out of here, how can the people stay in touch with
2: you? Um, you can just find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find
1: me on Twitter at A-J-Y-J-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn
0: Tiger and
1: War Eagle.
2: War Eagle.
0: Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.